This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories this Tuesday. But first, a quick reminder that Aspen Public Radio will be carrying NPR's live special broadcast of the New Hampshire primary. That's starting at 6 p.m. tonight. You can tune in live on the radio or stream it from our website. And now the news. The deadline for Basalt Town Council and mayoral candidates to submit their nominating petitions to the town clerk was last night, and seven candidates have thrown their hats in the ring for the April election. Current town councilman David Knight is running for mayor after incumbent Bill Kane announced he won't seek a second term. Knight's council position will also be up for election along with two other council seats. The six candidates running for those three seats are Hannah Berman, Chris Mullen, Richard Stevens, Kaya L. Rumney, Angel Dupre Bouchard, and Courtney Shilly Wyckoff. The town is still verifying signatures on the petitions, and potential candidates have until January 29th to correct any issues. The last day for a candidate to withdraw their nominating petition is Tuesday, January 30th. The Basalt Municipal election is on April 2nd. Longtime Garfield County Commissioner Mike Sampson will be running for re-election this year. According to the Glenwood Springs Post-Independent, the Republican has served for 16 years and is seeking his fifth term in the District 3 seat. If he wins, Sampson will be the longest-tenured member of the three-person board. Earlier this month, 27-year Commissioner John Martin announced he would not be seeking re-election. District 3 is made up of most of the western part of the county from the Utah state line, including Rifle. Sampson has been a big supporter of the oil and gas industry throughout his tenure. Currently, the only challenger for the seat is Stephen Arauza, who's running as a Democrat. Local nonprofit Response is looking for an additional $100,000 from the city of Aspen. The money would be used to complete construction of a Mid-Valley shelter for survivors of sexual assault and intimate partner violence. The city initially committed $150,000 to the project, which will be located in Basalt, and will be able to shelter nine adult survivors and 15 kids at a time. Response broke ground on the shelter in November and is expecting to open its doors in January 2025. Executive Director Shannon Myers says construction costs have gone up about 30 percent since last year, bringing the budget up to $9.5 million. We are one of the crazy projects that's building all through the winter. We poured concrete two weeks ago, that super freezing cold week, because <laughs> uh, that's just what the schedule was. And we can't slow down because survivors are waiting for us to open the doors of the shelter. She says last year the nonprofit had to turn away 22 survivors seeking shelter because they didn't have space for them. During yesterday's work session, city councilors were enthusiastic about the project and asked for it to be placed on a regular meeting agenda so they can give their official approval. The money would come from the city's tobacco tax revenue, which is dedicated to health and human services needs. The Black Mountain Development Project on the old Jadwin parcel in Basalt will once again go before town council tonight. The property sits along Emma Road and Highway 82 just west of the Basalt Post Office. Developers, including local brothers Bridger and Coulter Smith, have updated their proposal to try and earn the town's approval. That includes adding more affordable housing in response to feedback they got in October. The proposal now includes 72 residential units, with 50% of those deed-restricted for affordable housing. That's up from 35% in the initial proposal. 
According to the Aspen Daily News, the town's land use plan favors high-density development at the site, and the Basalt Planning and Zoning Commission voted 5-1 to one to recommend approval of the project. But a citizens group called Keep Basalt Special is organizing opposition. Tonight's application review will take place at Basalt Town Hall at 6 p.m. Heavy snow and wind sparked a dramatic uptick in avalanche activity across Colorado last week. And KUNC reports the danger will linger with more snowstorms possible in the coming weeks. National data shows an average of 25 people have died in avalanches each year over the past decade. Since the 2013-2014 ski season, 244 people have died in avalanches across the country, according to the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. About two-thirds of those deaths happened in areas in the Mountain West, with the largest share taking place here in Colorado. All told, the state accounts for about one-third of all avalanche deaths since 1950. A majority of people caught and killed in avalanches were snowmobiling or backcountry skiing. Colorado State Patrol says Eagle County had the fifth most speeding citations issued last year for any county in the state. And officials say out of all the roads in Colorado, I-70 saw the most speeding citations. Law enforcement is reminding drivers to slow down and follow posted speed limits, especially with winter driving conditions around the state. That includes on Highway 82 to Aspen, Highway 13 north of Rifle, and I-70. Drivers are advised to be extra cautious in Glenwood Canyon. The Aspen Inclusion Project is offering free tutoring and free ski and snowboard lessons for under-resourced students in the Valley. The project was founded by Aspen High School student Robert Helsing. It's a nonprofit program aimed at supporting under-resourced students in academics and sports. Students who attend the weekly tutoring sessions can receive up to seven free skiing sessions with a licensed ski co-instructor. The program runs from February to April. Lift tickets, equipment, and meals are provided. Helsing says that since he moved to Aspen, skiing has meant so much to him, and he knows there are some teens who cannot enjoy the sport due to costs. The XC Games relay races take place tomorrow on the cross-country trails at the Aspen Golf Course. The races take place at night, and the course is partially illuminated by the glow of the X Games lights, which shine pretty bright from over at Buttermilk. The race is the fifth of seven events in the Ute Cup Nordic Series, sponsored by Ute Mountaineer and the Independence Pass Foundation. The next race in the series is Ski for the Pass on February 4th. And the next full moon uphill dinner at Buttermilk has been moved up to today. It was previously scheduled later in the week, closer to the actual full moon on Thursday. But there's a lot of prep work happening at Buttermilk for the X Games this weekend. The Cliff House Restaurant will be serving dinner to uphillers from 5.30 to 8 p.m. tonight. In local arts and culture news, the art-based gallery in Basalt has hired a new executive director. Annie Henninger will lead the nonprofit Community Arts Center starting January 30th. Henninger started her career as a fine art teacher. She moved to the Valley to work for the Aspen Art Museum as its director of diversity, equity, access, and inclusion. Henninger later took a position as the art supervisor for the city of Glenwood Springs. In a press release, she said she's thrilled to be joining the art base. Henninger filled the position previously held by Lisa DeLasso, who stepped down last fall. Board member Tim Brown has been serving as interim executive director in the meantime. 
A local group that held a ceasefire protest on Sunday is organizing two film screenings this week. Ceasefire Now, Roaring Fork Valley, gathered in Glenwood on Sunday to demand that Colorado senators support a ceasefire in Gaza. About 30 attendees heard from speakers at Centennial Park while carrying signs and banners. The volunteer group condemns all violence against civilians by all parties in the conflict, including Israel and Hamas. They're presenting free screenings of the documentary Gaza Fights for Freedom at the Glenwood Library this Thursday and the Basalt Library the following Thursday, February 1st. Both events start at 6.30 p.m. In statewide news, Denver schools serving a rapidly growing number of migrant students could soon get a funding boost. CPR education reporter Jenny Brandine has more. The Denver Public School Foundation has created a special fund to give grants directly to impacted schools for everything from hiring more bilingual staff to buying desks. More than 2,400 new students, mostly from Venezuela, have enrolled in DPS schools since the summer. McMean Elementary Principal Andrea Hinman says her kindergarten and second grade classes each have 35 students. It has meant scrambling to find furniture for classrooms that have historically only had 20 to 25 students. The Rose Community Foundation and the Denver Foundation will match donations up to $50,000. Jenny Brendine, CPR News. Colorado has a new source of gray wolves. State wildlife officials have secured a deal to capture 15 more wolves from Washington state. The agreement was made with a group of Native American tribes that share a reservation in eastern Washington. Colorado Parks and Wildlife aims to relocate the next round of wolves between December 2024 and March of 2025. Wildlife officials say they're not planning to reintroduce more wolves in the state until then. The tribes will provide guidance on which packs in Washington would be good for relocation. And in regional news, the National Western Stock Show is in its final week in Denver. And along with bull riding, calf roping, and mutton busting events, there was a special rodeo for young people. KUNC's Emma Vanda 90 was there for the Mountain West News Bureau. Fun was the focus at the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association's 40th Annual Exceptional Rodeo. Kids of all abilities could come participate in a modified mock rodeo for a day, free of charge. The event is designed for people with disabilities. More than 65 kids participated. They had the chance to race on hobby horses, try their hand at lassoing, and ride a calf, even if it was just a hay bale being moved by volunteers. Ten-year-old Dax Henry attended the event with his mom, Suzanne. He has autism, but Suzanne says these events make Dax come alive. It doesn't always happen, so it is very special to see him this engaged and especially interacting with other kids is great. The event was held at Colorado State University's Equine Center in Denver, named after autism advocate Temple Grandin. She wants every kid to leave knowing they can be a rodeo athlete, too. And a lot of people don't think special need kids are capable of anything. They're often underestimated. And one of the things that an event like this does is show the parents that your kid can actually get out and do stuff. For KUNC, I'm Emma Vandenindy. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Kaya Williams, and me, your host, Eleanor Bennett. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thanks for listening and see you next time.